Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Okay, good morning, everybody. Um, we uh, just fresh off the Uber pitch last week. Uh, um, somewhat of a frenzied week, I have to say. Uh, we didn't do our podcast last week because we're just totally preoccupied with Uber pitch. Um, just worthwhile doing a debrief on that. Um, so what was Uber pitch? Uber pitch was... The, the show, our show, plus Uber, got together and decided to um, launch at Sidstart, um, which is at the Sydney Town Hall. Um, <clears throat> we're not isolating at Sidstart. We're going to go around to Sydney, I should say. We're going to go around to Melbourne and Brisbane and Perth, do the same thing. But basically what it was is you can put in an application or go into the Uber app and apply to pitch to me and six and or six other um, business leaders around Sydney um, and we would pick you up in an Uber car you had seven minutes to pitch, we give you seven minutes for the feedback. Unfortunately, um, we didn't realise how popular this would be and we had something like, was it Nick, 5,000? Yeah, over 5,000. 5,000 people, 5, people a requested a ride um, and we only had four <laughs> hours to do that in. Uh, we did about 50, I'd say. 50, 55. Yeah, 50 or 60, yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. Um, you know, and what we were most surprised at, we didn't sort of, you know, mostly pre-select these things, they were just sort of random people and... Uh, some of them were fantastic. Most of them were pretty, very, pretty good. Um, but some were fantastic, and we had some real good um, insights into what they they did. And I have to thank um, the business leaders for the uh, assistance they gave me and the time. We all did this for nothing. Um, it was a, a day out of our working week. Um, what we're trying to do here is, first and foremost, make the point that uh, Sydney and other places in Australia uh, have world class quality business ideas, world class quality entrepreneurs and world-class quality startups. Um, it's not just San Francisco or Tel Aviv or wherever else in the world. Um, uh, Sydney and Australians, uh, we rank up there as far as we're concerned with everybody else in the world. And the people who were the business leaders actually have global experience in relation to uh, making that assessment. So it was a great day. Um, we're going to do it again, I hope, with Uber. Um, Uber was fantastic. Uh, interesting enough, it sort of fitted right in the middle of a whole lot of talk from Wyatt Roy, who happened to be in Israel that week, uh, looking at the um, Israeli business model for uh, startups, and um, the Turnbull coming out saying that uh, in due course he's going to uh, put up a number of um, innovation policy um, uh, initiatives to, to the Australian people, um, and all of a sudden the Fin Review is now writing about tech companies, which you know, we haven't heard the Financial Review write about tech companies for a long time. Um, and it look, would seem as though uh, a lot more people interested in startups all of a sudden, particularly when it comes to technology-based startups. I, I will hasten to add that our pitch, Uber pitch day, was not just about technology companies, any sort of startup that you want to talk about. And you know, most of them have some sort of technology aspect to them. But Anyone who's innovating, right? Yeah, it's all about innovation, correct. And then who wants to disrupt? Even the Prime Minister now talking about disruption, Australia becoming a disruptor, a global disruptor, or yeah. um, aligning itself with... Um, innovation around global disruption and uh, that's pretty ballsy stuff. So um, great day. about um, Tel Aviv, like, you know, people say that Sydney's or Australia is too small a population. Tel Aviv's got less than, or Israel in general has got less than 10 million people there and they're, you know, the, now the second biggest startup hub in the world. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a total nonsense in terms yeah, of yeah. our total population. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Israel has ended into a number of special treaties with the U.S., 
in terms of um, giving special concessions and tax treatments to yeah. what happens, what actually gets developed in Tel Aviv and exported to the US. So mm. bottom line is, as you say, Nick, you can export technology or great ideas or disruption to any place in the world. Yeah. And hopefully you're going you're gonna to export to every place in the right world. Right here in Australia. Right here, correct. Right here in Sydney. Yeah. Right here in King's Cross. Who, who, is, who is the best on ground for you, um, Well, I, I met a number of people. Um, I, I met the you – know, you got me on the hop because of the names because they're all got unusual names, weird what they, names. What do, they do, what do they do? Well, one, 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 in particular, one guy has this ability to – has this platform, technology platform, where he matches – good experiences with the Facebook friends of the person who had the experience. So, for example, he put to me, and he's coming to see me, not me, Yellow Big Road, my CEO. Oh, he emailed me yesterday. Is this Rick Amazing? Is yeah, Rick that? Amazing, that's yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah, he's yeah. got a platform whereby if he, if let's say you're a Yellow Big Road <clears throat> customer, you've had good experience with the Yellow Big Road branch and, say, Bly Street, um, they will then feed that back into his Facebook and um, and. He, this is a sort of an advertising game for him. Yeah. It's a promotional game, marketing, advertising game. And then get all his followers, all the people who are his friends with on Facebook in try and build a referral business. Mm. So and it's cheap, but it's quite – it's a variable cost. Um, so we're going to get him into our organisation and have a talk to him about Another guy talked to me had a, a cash flow management business. Um, he's built a – he comes from an Indian family who's had businesses and they had cash flow issues and this young mm. guy built up a um, – a uh, cash flow model that's all online that allow his family to manage their cash flows, and now that he wants to push that out into the to, into the you know into the population, he's coming to see us at Yellow Brick Road as well. Mm. Um, it's amazing <clears> those guys. The cash flow, you know, a good friend of mine in South Africa, he's got a fairly big business, and he was he's he's having all sorts of working capital issues because he's he's invoicing, you know. Uh, He's got sixty-day payment terms on his invoices, but because he's such, he's one of those guys who likes to maintain his reputation in the market. He's always paying out, you know, after you know less than two weeks. You know, so he's got this like forty-day shortfall between when he's getting money and when he's paying it out. It's amazing. Like, and his his business been around for 10, 15 years. And I had you know a ten-minute chat with him about it. And I think the next day he went into his business, and he you know he's now got to you know talk to the to his father who runs the business and. He's now got a plan to sort of correct the problem, but amazing how many small businesses out there just sort of go by without sort of correcting this problem. Because I mean, that's all money that he could be reinvesting, <laughs> buying new stocks, sell, you know, creating more turnover for his company that he's now missing out on because he hasn't quite set up the cash flow situation properly. Well, cash flow is probably the most important thing in small businesses. Managing your cash flow, you know, like I, I, <clears throat> I wonder whether our listeners would be interested in a, like a tutorial on cash flow management because there's a whole series of things you need to talk about and need to consider in cash flow. And should I spend before I earn the revenue, those sorts of discussions. You know, when do you spend your money mm. in terms of um, your cash flow management relative to your revenue? So some people say in downtimes, for example, like say the mortgage market, which is coming off at the moment, mm. do I go out and spend – does Yellow Brick Road now go out and spend more money than everybody else when most people, most of the banks say market is down, do they go and spend more money than everybody else to actually win some market share and get into the front of people? Or do you wait for the mortgage market to pick up and actually have lots of demand and mm. then spend your money alongside everybody else? Because at that time, advertising is more expensive. Mm. So you pay more per ad. You are competing with more advertisers. Yeah. Sure, the market's bigger. Do you spend in down, yeah, do you spend in down times when it's relatively cheap? Or do you? And, and, but you know the risk of not having money is greater. Or do you spend less? Yeah, and yeah. what and what's your lag time between yeah, yeah. the revenue coming in, and and the, that that comes down to available capital. Yeah. So my view on that is it's not a question of should I try to match my expense with my revenue because yeah. in downtimes, what I should be matching my expenses with is my available capital. Yeah. The question is then do you, do you go to the market and raise the capital to spend? Yeah. And, and what kind of business you are as well? If you, are you an inventory-heavy business or are you a services business? Obviously, inventory-heavy businesses need more working capital. So I think this stuff's yeah. really important. Yeah, yeah. And I, mean, I, I reckon these are quite interesting sort of educational modules that yeah, we absolutely. might start to produce. Was it a good, was it a good technology that he had? Yeah, it was good. Te- well, I haven't tested the technology. Yeah, I'm right. going to get um, Matt Lawler and our guys to test yeah, the technology. Okay. He's, I think he's coming in next week. His name's Arjun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've got his email too. I'll make sure that he... Yeah, he he sounds like a you know, smart guy. I mean, yeah. we might even invest in it, you know, if yep. it's a good business as opposed to just giving him business. You know, we, we have 
297 branches around Australia. Each one of them has cash flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got to match their cash flows. You know, they're out spending money too. This is the stuff that like, <clears throat> businesses like yours, I reckon, should be investing in. Like, you know, when you, you buy, you can buy, you know, you bought bigger businesses in the past, but then you've got like, you know, cultural fit issues and trying to sort of integrate them into what you're doing. Why not just buy the technology as early on as possible? That way you've, you're acquiring something new, but you're not having to deal with all the other crap that comes with making it. Well, we want to. We've got to do wherever we can. Wherever we can, we've got to get involved in the in sort of digital, di- the digital yeah. world. Um, because you know we're a, to some extent, Yellow Brick Roads business is an old school business because it's lending money. I mean, that's been around forever. <laughs> but we need to get in, in, more closer to the technology and the digi- digital stuff that's sort of surrounding it. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, the, the the difficulty with that is, you know, am I going to invest in something that's going to fail? <laughs> Or more importantly, am I going to invest in something that needs more money invested in, more money invested in? Because sometimes these platforms just require so much money, it's ridiculous. And we're not a platform business. Mm-hmm. But it is – But we, we've got to be a little bit more proactive around that stuff. And the thing about, you know, Uber Pitch is that I actually got to meet three technology-based businesses that fit straight into financial services. And, mm. you know, obviously they come to sit in the car with me because they wanted mm. to talk to me because of my, my background. Mm. And I did that in – Two hours. Mm. I just wonder how many of these are out there. There must be must be hundreds of these people out there, you know, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, I found that very interesting. And so they were sort of, the, for me, they were best on field. I mean, one of the most interesting on field was the guy who uses a local um, environment, the people in the local area and their spare capacity to mine other people's dogs. Oh, yeah. Um, Mad Paws? <clears throat> Mad Paws, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of models around similar to Mad Paws. Yeah. But I, th- I just found that as being very efficient. I, yeah. I love the efficiency of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in other words, if my dog, if I want to go on holidays, do I want to send my dog 100 kilometres away? We've got to be transported in a place I probably never visit. And I wouldn't mm. know anything about it. And it's actually there with another 100 dogs. Or would I rather, for the same price or similar price, have my dog minded by someone who lives four streets away who's got spare capacity? Mm-hmm. Um, probably subject to a few things being understood, I probably would prefer the dog to be around the corner. Mm. Um, so, and I thought that was sort of quite a uh, – the brilliance of that to me is the efficiency. I love efficiencies. So mm-hmm. it's a great efficiency, geographical efficiency. Yeah, it's the old Uber model, you know, like <coughs> ride, sh- ride sharing. You know? It's like if you're going to go to work, why not pick someone else up on the way and, and earn, you know, reduce your costs effectively by charging your fee. And efficiencies to me is a really appealing thing. I mean, yeah. but there were some great, great stories, um, you know, uh, coming out of the day. Some, uh, and, you know, everybody saw someone else that was different. And I guess, is that stuff on our website now, Nick? The, it's, it's, it's still getting cut up, edited, um, but hopefully soon by the end of the week. Should, we should have like eight to ten really good clips of uh, cross-sections of the day. Okay, so I'd, I'd, I'd urge you, you know, people to go and have a look at the website um, and to see and to see the day. It was a great day for us at Sidstar too, by the way. Sidstar was a great event. Yeah, absolutely. In its own right. In yeah. its own right, yeah. yeah absolutely. Good job, Matt Barry. But, but it, Matt Barry did a great job. Um, you know, he had all these um, kiosks there and people that are advertising and marketing mm. and promoting and, um, mm. you know, I must have got hit up by about 50 people. And uh, It is such a good job <clears> that, he, that the Victorian government are now paying him a million dollars to move the event to Melbourne. Wow. So they're going to rename it StartCon, and but I mean, this is this is a shortcoming of the New South Wales government. I mean, they should have been they should fight to keep it here. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you know, Matt put that event on on his own dollar, so I yeah. can understand his reasons for taking it to Melbourne, get some assistance from the government. But why isn't New South Wales pa- paying up to keep those events here and pa- and paying guys like you know, not to say <laughs> us, but like guys like us or us that are you know putting on similar events? You know, well, maybe we, we should, they should be like we, you know we paid for this whole event ourselves. Well, too. Nick Fordham, this is the world of opportunity. We'll uh, take the uh, podcast to Melbourne. Well, what we might do is we might take the podcast to Melbourne and we might take the Sids, we might take over Sid Start in Sydney. Mm. So yeah. we get a bu- double bite. I mean, you know, but, uh, and, I mean, even broader, Nick Boris, is that why don't all governments in Australia, all the state governments get together and say, we should hold one in every state every two months. Absolutely. And make Australia, put Australia together instead of Melbourne versus Sydney. That's all bullshit. I feel like Melbourne's fighting harder, though, for the startups than, than Sydney is. I don't know what it is. I've just, do you guys get that feeling as well? Like, have you, I've seen a lot of stuff in the press with a, you know, a lot of advocation for the startups. I haven't seen much. Well, I know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably not that close to it in terms of reading what's yeah, going on. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Melbourne fights hard for everything. I mean, they fight hard yeah, for yeah. sport. They're, they're, they're pretty good at that stuff because. Yeah, they're the hungry little brother that, you know, they're yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to see yeah. how, they, uh, how Melbourne uh, embraces Uber Pitch and, and considering the, here in Sydney that, you know, 5,000 people were in Sydney CBD 
pitching for a ride. It's incredible numbers. Absolutely. In that little (coughs) niche. You know, you got 5,000 people that have, you know, that want to pitch their businesses. Absolutely. And why don't you find out who was in the Melbourne government, a Victorian government, who actually invited Matt down and tell him we're going to launch the Uber pitch down there. Would they like to help us promote it and maybe fund it a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Get them on the show. Get them on the show. Yeah, yeah. Actually, why don't we do a show from down there? Why don't, why don't we yeah, do we should. Why, why don't we, well, Then when we go do the Uber pitch, why don't we find a studio and do a show down there one day? Yeah, it should be da- on the same day if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, do it in the morning. And we'll do. And we'll get, get Melbourne cars. somehow and get do a it promoted. Crown Casino or something. Eh? Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Blackjack table. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, we could we certainly we could certainly do it from the um casino from the from the Crown Towers yeah. or yeah. from one of the rooms there. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we do that? Jakey's shaking his head. He's from the, from dying to come down. I'm nodding, yeah. <laughs> Our sound engineer wants to be there. Definitely. From the Crystal Club. <laughs> Back on track, gentlemen. Back on track. <laughs> and no, but, but, that, but that's what we've got to do. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's what, you know, all startups, they're looking for opportunities. It's amazing, these guys and girls, the guts they had in terms of... Uh, fearless. fearless. They're fe- totally fearless. Yeah, they yeah. put up their idea, they prosecute it hard, they don't let you go. And, you know, I, I was <laughs> trying to walk through where all the exhibitions were. Yeah. I'm not joking. People were running at me, yeah, yeah. shoving a business card in yeah, my hand. Yeah. No, 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 no. And, t- and I, can I just have five minutes? And I say, well, you've got a minute because I've got to get out. I've got to do something. Then they and they would go with a minute and they would sort of engage me. They wouldn't let me go, and uh, then Ooh. someone else would lighten to come because yeah. they're all they've got these great ideas. Enthusiasm and energy is incredible. We, we were tracking uh, Johnny Winning's car at one point, and he he, he was in the car for for an hour with somebody. You know, <laughs> yeah, cool yeah, and yeah. relaxed he is. He just probably let the guy go, but had him, he, he kept he kept Johnny for an hour. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I, I wouldn't I, let him go. I was I was trying to I was, <laughs> I was trying to buy um well, um an almond milk thing because I quite like the taste of almond milk. And I actually mix it with, um, you know, protein powders and stuff. And protein Man powders. So I, put it, so, I put, <laughs> so I do – I have tried Adam McDougall's powder. Yeah. But I like it when I put it with either um, uh, almond milk or coconut milk. But not the one you buy in a can, but proper co- – you know, freshly made coconut milk, not cream. And I was trying to get it the other day and um, I couldn't find anywhere. Like, it's just ridiculous. I couldn't find the bloody stuff anywhere. And, um, and I, one of the girls, the first girl that got in my car um, – I can't remember her name, but she got in my car like it was at 9 a.m. or something like that, and I was down and pick, we picked her up a circular key, and she got in the car with this box full of almond milk, different oh, flavoured almond milk, different <laughs> flavoured almond milks. And I, and I was thinking, God, I wish I had her card now because I'd be ringing her up right, right now. I need some almond milk. Where do I get it from? Little thing. But I think, you know, our tastes are broadening and uh, yeah. we don't want to have to just go to about life every time we want almond milk. They should be available everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't, you can't go to a convenience store and get it. They, they're still selling cow's milk, just cow's milk. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, you know, a, an energy, energy drink. And I can't understand why you can't buy this thing because a lot of people drink this stuff, not just me. I'm not just a, I'm a recent convert, but a lot of people drink it. Have you been to Woolworths lately? <laughs> what was that? What, no, but no, I'm not talking about the carton oh, of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking fresh made almond milk. Oh, like, right, it's a bit okay. like you get, like you can go and get a... Um, a, um, a thing, a, a, like a Tetra Pack stock thing of yeah, yeah, yeah. cow's milk, or you can yeah, get the milk, yeah, yeah, the okay. milk in a bottle. Oh, you mean the, you mean the cold, like cold <laughs> stuff? Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 but yeah. you can either get it flavored, unflavored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, not the not the the long life stuff. No, not the long life stuff. I'm yeah, talking about like okay. stuff made yesterday, and it's good for five, six days. It's a bit yeah, like okay. you get the, the, yeah, when you buy yeah, milk for yeah, yeah, yeah. fresh almond milk. Fresh, yeah. 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 And she, that's what she makes. She got a little factory. She got a day job. She she's a graphic designer during the day. And um, at night and on the weekends, this is a business, and she sells that down at the stalls in the uh, down in Haymarket somewhere. And uh, every weekend, what was weekend. she looking for, Mark? And uh, she was looking for funding for a second round of funding. Um, and mate, the milk, the drinks were fantastic. They tasted good. No sugar, no yeah. sugar. Tasted really good. And I'd like to know what the ingredients are. All the ingredients are. But uh, it was I was only thinking about her the other day on the weekend. I was thinking, geez, I wouldn't mind some almond milk now. You know, uh, so it's and, and and by the way, our, our, the world's changing. Like, um, you know, McDougall told us a couple of weeks ago, and I was only having a conversation with a mate of mine this morning. How important it is to have protein powder the moment you wake up? Well, or protein drink. But if you know, sometimes that protein drink, a little bit of protein powder with some water in it, it's not a great thought, you know. But if you put it together with something like almond, which it sort of makes it a bit more ta- more palatable. What's your for combination, me. Nico? The, the, you were telling me yesterday the berries, heart, heart, v- vanilla man shake. Um, Ice cubes, freezing cold water, um, and frozen berries. So we all have because you, you've got to make it palatable, yeah. and that's that's yeah. your thing, you know. Like, uh, and, and I think yeah, this yeah. is this is new emerging stuff, you know. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's emerging technology industry, but there's an emerging food industry, and it's, people are so much more conscious rapidly. these days of of what they're putting in their body, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of <clears throat> they're prepared to spend a little bit more, and you know, get sugar free and you know, better ingredients. So 
So there's a lot of emerging mm. um, demand coming in different areas. I, yeah. I find it quite, quite – and anyway, she was, she was one of the more interesting ones, Nick. Okay, enough about her pitch. We're going to do one in Melbourne. Uh, that's the next Soon, place. Yeah. Is that right? Yep, in Melbourne? Soon. Early December is what we're shooting for. Okay, great. Righto. So what's the next topic? What are we going to talk about now, Nick? Do you want to talk about interest rates? Or? Yeah, let's talk about because, of course, the Reserve Bank met yesterday. Yeah. No interest rate change. The mo- and what's significant from what the Reserve Bank said? What is significant from what the Reserve Bank said? Well, this is the same statement I've read for the last three months and probably will be the same statement for the next three months. There was a market bet that the Reserve Bank was going to reduce the rates. Uh, it was a 40% uh, chance that the Reserve Bank would move the rates yesterday. They didn't. When you read through the Reserve Bank statement, it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight paragraphs as usual. <coughs> the only thing that's important that to read is that they said that the board will continue to assess the outlook and hence whether the current stance on policy will most effectively foster sustainable growth and inflation consistent with the target. In other words, they want to make sure that the interest rate will sustain uh, foster the current inflation target, the current inflation target is between 2 and 3%. The current inflation numbers came out um, the day before the Reserve Bank met, which is on Monday. They indicated a sub-2% inflation is running at below 2%. In other words, at the bottom of the range of the Reserve Bank's target. So it whilst doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. No, that's crazy, it's isn't expensive. it? expensive. the big items are, aren't expensive. Yeah. Cars are going down. Well, they need price. to change the basket of... Goods that they, they need to change for the CPI. They need to change the weighting yeah. in the basket, yeah. maybe. And but currently, the, what the Reserve Bank's got to work with is the CPI numbers come from Australian mm. Bureau of Statistics. The Reserve Bank's made it clear they wanted the, the they must keep inflation between two and three percent, mm. which means that they keep the interest rates low when it's below two percent, and they put interest rates up when it starts to inflation starts to get towards three percent or above. Mm. So the Reserve Bank said here clearly that if interest ra- if um, inflation stays at the target or below the target, they will continue to have a policy that will foster that. Mm. So th- that means low interest rates. And the second thing they've said is they will use interest rates to foster growth, sustainable growth. Now, the question comes down is are we got, have we got growth in this country and what sort of growth they want? Well, we all know they want, they'd like to see a target of th- growth, GDP growth of 3.2% per annum. We're nowhere near it, nowhere near it. So the next big event to look out for will be the numbers that get printed by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, I think it's the 27th or 28th of January. The next Reserve Bank meeting is four or five days later, first Tuesday of February. Um, I think that'll be the next rate reduction or the next rate, the most likely uh, rate change and it'll be downwards, I think, because I think after Christmas... Probably some structural stuff going on, like, you know, what you were talking about in your article in the HuffPost yesterday. Like, you know, we're not getting any growth because, like, we're heavily <coughs> weighted towards resources, which is doing F all at the fucking moment. Correct. I mean, like, what... I mean, if we started focusing on, like, you know, technology and, sm- and startups and innovation, started exporting that to the world, the growth, well, and, would, and the, the growth would be there. And, and it's funny you should say that because it's... You know, if our previous government had the business, they sort of nearly got it. Uh, they had the the small business yeah. budget because they worked out that all of a sudden resources are down, banks are down, financial services are down. You know, the regulators making sure that that's the case. So where are we going to go? Mm. So the previous government, I'm talking about the uh, Abbott government, said small businesses. So we got we had Bruce Pilson on the show and he talked about how he's going to foster small business and then they're going to open up the doors to small business, they're going to take a, mm. the red tape away. They gave him some tax deductions up to 20 grand, et cetera. Mm. Now, this government has gone one step further and a little more edgy. So the Malcolm Turnbull government, along with his innovation ministers and junior ministers, are talking about um, fostering a technology and innovation environment in Australia. And using that, or hoping that can be used to um, create a startup mm. economy, we need some more best in breeds. You know, like I mean, America's got like you know entertainment, they've got technology, they've got, like the best in all sorts of industries. We've got one BHP in resources, and you know the resources industry is, is crap at the moment. Well, I think we do have like, best in breed in technology. We do have best in breed in startups. I actually think that. No, but we need we need <coughs> something that's like we need something that's dominating the market globally. You know what I mean? We need something that, like, that employ something like BHP in another industry that employs 120,000 people. Um, you know, turns over billions and billions of dollars and creates that growth. 
you the won't, GDP growth for the country. But you won't get that out of BHP. We don't get another BHP. That's taken 100 years to get there. Mm. Well, um, we might. I mean, like, you know, what about these guys at Atlassian, right? I mean, they're about to, you know, they're listing a company for four or five billion dollars. Yeah, but you know, I, like, they might become the, the I, best. I get it. I get it. But I mean, you might. I mean, yeah. the, 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 it's all about probability. So, what the government's doing, though, is they're going to create an environment. That's what I think they're doing. Is create an environment to get the you might you yeah. might situation. So. Yeah, yeah. They, they're talking about it. Now, we need to see what Turnbull's package looks like. Yeah. That sounded weird, didn't it? We need to, <laughs> we need to see what Turnbull's going to release in, in the due course in relation to and – and I, and I did have some texts with White Roy last week yeah. talking about the Uber pitch and how well it went, and he told me that he was in Israel. And uh, I said to him, look, I probably would get across to Tel Aviv myself and have a look what's going on. He's going to put me in contact with some people over there. So, I'll come I'm, with you, mate. I I'm I'm heard sure some good-looking girls at, on the beaches at it's Tel Aviv. It's not about girls, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and then what we got always to take the podcast here as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's nodding again. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and but, but but so he's actually going the distance and wide. He's actually doing doing a lot of work on this stuff. So I think they're the real. I think they're fanicum about it. Um, I could be uh, the male version of a shiksa over there. You know, the not the gentile. You know, they love the non-Jewish guys over there. Nick, <laughs> we got an element <laughs> that gets cut. <laughs> so so anyway, so what we, so what we got to do is we got to we, we've got to. Uh, but the, the Australian government, what they've got to do is uh, assist us. But we also got to try and help them do it. I mean, when the Fin Review starts talking about that sort of stuff, it's starting to become trendy. Um, so the trend, there is, it is trending, innovation and uh, technology enhancement and innovation and platforms, a lot of talk about it. I, I, said, in the, I said in my thing at SIDSTART in my uh, keynote address, I said that, um, and I think this is the case, I think you're going to find a, a lot more money coming to Australia um, for our startup environment. If they think the mm. government is, you know, money always finds its way and sort of is like it's magnetic and it finds its opposite. Mm. And where it's cash will find its way around the world, liquidity finds its way around the way around the world. And if the government puts enough incentives out there for oh, startups, the tax rates, it's tax rates yeah, other yeah. concessions, you know, yeah, R&D stuff, yeah. <clears throat> the cash will come. And I got a gut feeling that we're in that environment now. Well, look at Sing- I mean, look at Singapore. That's what they did. All they had to do was lower the tax rate. Now yeah. That now that they're the startup hub of Asia Pac. And I just hope that this government has the guts to actually do something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I just know for, it's just for the startups. I mean, like, yeah, 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 keep, yeah. keep 30% across <clears throat> the board, but in that particular area where they're trying to foster growth, lower it. Yeah, no, and let's not get a, let's not have rebates and this, and yeah, if you yeah. sell to this, is there no capital gains tax down yeah. the track? Forget about all that. Yeah. There's just, just make it easy. It's got to be simple. Yeah, yeah. There's a 10% tax rate. If you want to start up in Australia, yeah. for the first five years, tax rate is 10%, mm-hmm. and thereafter is 15%. I don't know, something scaled. I mean, yeah. but people will come here because if you had a choice, you want to start up in Sydney and you've got, you know, you've got money to invest and you want to put in money in a startup in Sydney or you want to put it in Singapore, where are you going to go? Mm. You're sitting every day of the week. Mm. I mean, look at the place. It's unbelievable. Mm. How beautiful is it? Mm. And if the tax rate's equivalent to what you get in Singapore, mm. they're going to come flocking here. Mm. I mean, it's a pretty simple process, I Make see. it cheaper for the investors as well, <clears throat> like they're on their returns, you know, like lower tax rates for them investing. Across the board, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Or what I'm talking about startups, not just the company, but all yeah, the shareholders. Yeah. Shareholders. Across the yep. board. Yep. You invest in a, in a startup, <clears throat> you should get a 100% tax deduction mm. there and then. Mm. Hopefully, that year. hopefully we'll have Minister Roy on in, in the next few weeks as well to uh, on the on the podcast to talk through this as well. So, I mean, they've, uh, we've we've talked about this before uh, a long time ago. We talked about the film industry, how they built the film industry in this country many many years ago. They used to say, if you put a hundred dollars into a film, an Australian based film, mm. you get a hundred and fifty dollar tax deduction that year. Nice. So, you, and that built the film industry here. Yeah. F- films like Break and Morant, like and Gallipoli. And all those great early Australian movies, Mad Max, mm. they were they all started off here on that back of that that Australian Film Corporation film scheme tax deduction. Yeah, and it's happening again with <clears throat> Screen New South Wales. Mel Gibson's shooting his latest film here, um, obviously in Queensland, Pirates of the Caribbean. So they're trying to, you know, government here, local governments and and federal governments are trying to do a lot more, you know, um, to attract international films here. You and know? why don't they should do the same startups, international yeah. startups? I mean. By the way, why can't we attract startup companies out of China or startup individuals yeah. out of China yeah. and Singapore and Philippines to come here and do their startup? Absolutely. Not just Australians, yeah, yeah. anybody. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and the money will come. And then you build an industry. Yeah. Silicon Valley is not just about Americans. No. It's about everyone in the world wants yeah. to go there. Oh. Yeah. All of our guys are going there. Correct. You know, like. <clears throat> so and what, what we want to do is say, no, no, hang on. You want, you want to go to LA? You want to go to San Francisco, I should say? Why don't you come to Sydney? I mean, Hello. 
I mean, it's pretty bloody good here. Mm. Or, or put it between Sydney and Byron Bay. I didn't care. <laughs> on Byron Bay, actually, I got a spot in Byron Bay a week ago. But I, but I, but I'm serious. I mean, that's what we've got to do. Yeah. And that's that's a big ballsy move. Mm. That's what I'm hoping the government's going to do. And I think we got momentum, which <clears> is good. Yeah. Now it's I got a gut feeling it's starting. So if you're in the startup environment, hang in there. Just mm. hang in there. normally do uh, this thing called What's On My Mind and uh, one of the things is I've done it for a while now because we've had so many other things and so many people to interview and pitch, etc. Um, one of the things on my mind is, and Nick raised it <clears throat> um, early this morning, Nick Boris, um, is this concept, Matt Barry wrote an article saying that um, one of the capital markets startups should start to access is the listed environment. Now, you know, the equities market is a capital market like every other market. Now, you can go and get debt if you want to or you can go and get uh, private investors if you want to. <coughs> you can get, um, you know, these startup fund managers to invest in your business or alternatively, you can go straight to the equity markets in the, the probably in the second or third round of your capital raising, you know, the 5 to 10 to 20 million environment. You go and see stockbrokers and stockbrokers will, you know, give you advice and you do a backdoor listing or you can list, do an IPO. And I've been thinking about this recently because this, this month is the month I do all my AGM. So I've got three annual general meetings on three companies of which I'm a chairman and they're listed public companies. And I've been thinking about this um, listed environment and I wanted to give two sides to the story. So <clears throat> when Yellow Brick Road listed, it was probably the only capital market I could access to get Yellow Brick Road off the, off the ground. And we raised money <clears throat> through Bell Potter they're a, gr- a great organisation, did a fantastic job for us, particularly the Perth guys. We've got a pretty good spread of investors. We raised a substantial amount of money relative to our size um, and it was, you know, quite important in terms of getting our business, business off the ground. Um, there was not another, another capital market I could have accessed, I don't think. There certainly wasn't any fund managers around who would have put their money into us as a start-up. We were effectively a start-up in 2011 off the back of the GFC. Um, and so I think that was an appropriate market to go to. Um, the, the first stages were, were, were funded by me personally, but this is like a second, probably more like a third stage funding. We had a second stage of funding of private guys and we had a third stage going to the market. Um, we did a backdoor listing. We didn't do an IPO, but it's, it's the same event anyway. It's just two different structures. <clears throat> um, what are the downsides? What are the, I mean, the, the upsides you get the dough, um, but it's, it's just as hard to get a listing away as it is to go and to San Francisco and, or Silicon Valley and get investors to invest in your business. It's, it's, you've got to do the same amount of work. Um, well, it's, it's probably more work. You know, uh, you know, you got to um, you got to go and get audited accounts, pro forma them back four or five years. You've got to appoint legal counsel, all sorts of people to help you manage the IPO process, draft prospectuses. There's more or, process. Yeah, absolutely. But, but there's probably and less. It co- and it costs a lot It costs dollars. a lot. It does, but it's probably yeah. less interrogative. Because yeah. when you go to Silicon Valley and you're talking to a, a VC fund, yeah. they're smarter mm. than the market generally. So, and they rip you off a lot of the time. Well, and they yeah. leave you with very little. Yeah. And you can walk out with your pants down. Absolutely. Um, and all can. the encumbrances. I mean, like, you know, IPO, ordinary stock, right? I mean, no extra additional rights attached to it. And it's it. spread. Well, Correct. generally speaking, spread. Yeah. So you don't get any one individual yeah. who's there controlling your business. Absolutely. I mean, whereas, um, and you control, your, sort yeah. of you control your business. You sort of yeah. do. Whereas if you do a Silicon Valley deal, yeah. the VC says, okay, well, I'm going to put in, I want 45% of your business. I'm going to put in $40 million, whatever the number is, $10 million, mm. um, And I want to sit on your board mm. and I've got veto rights. Mm. So there's, Pros and cons, but the issue around the ASX listing is every month, every quarter you're putting out a, a report to the mm. shareholders. There's a lot of process and it's quite expensive exercise. Mm. It's very frustrating. Also, you're public. Mm. So, like, if my share price goes down, which it has gone down recently because all the banks, everyone in my industry's mm. share price has gone down um, because of, you know, what the regulators trying to do with the property industry. Um, mm. People have, who have bought your shares at 50 cents and they're now looking at shares at 42 cents can't wait to have a crack at you. Mm. Um, whereas, <clears throat> and that's just... All the stuff that you have to do on, you know, on a daily basis, the, rep- uh, the disclosures, the reporting, the road shows, the... You've got these obligations. Brokers, fund managers, 
AGMs, <coughs> copping flack from your shareholders. It's, there's a lot, a lot of, lot of um, mental real estate occupied by the brain damage. It yeah, can be exactly. brain damage. Um, when it's shit. Um, yeah. When it's good, you're on top of the world. And when you're a startup and you don't have a big team, <coughs> it can be hard to manage. Right. And you've got to, and you actually have to put a team in who yeah. aren't part of your production. Yeah. So they're not really producing any revenue. Well, that's what Matt was. That's what Matt was saying. Matt was saying that he's saying, listen, you can hire all these guys to do this stuff for you, and you can offset the cost by the fact that you're getting a higher valuation. And I mean, it really is. Given that Australia has a vibrant, you know, early stage seed funding scene, but when you get to the ten, fifteen million licks of money, we just don't have the ability in the venture cap space to do that for you. And you need to tap the two trillion dollar public market, which like, he's super, done, super, I've done. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, there's, then there's shitloads of money there. Right? Two trillion dollars in our, mm. you know, in superannuation that exists in that public market space. So I mean, and, and maybe that's the way Aussie investors like. You know, I can sort of see you know, wh- why they'd be more comfortable investing in your business once you list because there's a whole lot more transparency there. Well, so they've got, they got liquidity too. Yeah, they exactly. Get, well, sort of got liquidity. They can get in and out. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. I mean, you have to have <coughs> 300 shareholders on your register to list, right? Yeah. So, and, and sometimes even more if, if, if the weightings are heavily skewed towards, you know, certain parties. Mm. So uh, so it is a good alternative, um, you know, those of you out there looking to raise the 5 or $10 million. Um, there's not a lot of activity right at the moment at that level, yeah. so you're probably – it's not easy to find. There's no shortage of money there. <clears throat> you know? But it's not easy to find yeah. someone who's going to sponsor it for you. So yeah. there's not many sponsoring brokers out there because you've got to put the same amount of work. If you're a sponsoring broker, you've got to put the same amount of work into a $10 million raising as you have to do to put in a $100 million raising. Yeah, exactly. So, there, but there are brokers who specialise in these areas, like Bell's where you used yeah. to work. That's one of them. Yeah. Um, Patterson's another one. Um, yeah. uh, Morgan's, Morgan's is another yeah. one. Foster's. You know, the yeah. uh, – there's a few of them out there, yeah. maybe maybe ten, and they'll do all the work for you. You know, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, Jesus, well, I don't know how to draft prospectus and all that sort of stuff. You, you, all the guys <laughs> that you put around the IPO process, and it starts with your, your broker or your underwriter, is they'll appoint a team to do all that stuff for you. Yes, you're going to wear the costs, but those costs can be offset against <laughs> you know the value of your business, which you know will, invariably it's higher because you've got all the other stuff that comes with being listed that gives you that. Higher valuation. So if you raise more money, you can pay for the costs. Of well, normally they charge you in five and ten percent of what you raise anyway. Yeah. So like if they raise ten million, they're going to charge you a million bucks. Yeah. Max mm. usually, right? And, and you'll have legal costs yeah. on top of that, lawyers' yeah. costs on top of that. <clears throat> so you know, yeah. I would think if you're going to raise ten million dollars, you're probably looking at spending mm. somewhere between one and one and a half million dollars in costs. Mm. And now, if you're good enough, you shouldn't worry about all the other stuff that, you know, all the other risks that come with being listed, like the scrutiny from the market itself. I mean, there's that company, that, those guys that came in the other day, <coughs> Ben McGrath and his mob at um, Digital Forge, they listed a company about 12 months ago at 20 million market cap. It's now 140. You know, it's getting runs on the board, doing really well. They're probably going to raise some more money soon, or I don't know, I'm just speculating. But, um, you know, that, and now, you know, you do, a, <coughs> you do a placement, you know, in the market. How long does that take? Two, two days to do the deal. In three-day settlement, you got your money in five days. You know, and it's pretty easy to sort of get money thereafter as well. It, it, well, depending on how well you travel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. But, I mean, yeah, obviously <clears throat> your company has to be doing well. But yeah. But it's, so it's just a good – it's another good capital market. Yeah. They don't dismiss it, but it comes with a lot of obligations, legal obligations. It's probably a good thing to use, you know, whilst we're in this period where our venture capital scene is growing and we don't have a whole lot of – you know, yeah, well, to, particularly to in this give country, the ten million, fifteen million licks of capital. Yeah, you're not going to get it at the moment because we yeah, don't yeah. have that middleware. We don't yeah. have that middle group of people who invest like Americans do. Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 it comes <laughs> it's it comes at a cost. It is a capital market you can access. Over time, you get used to the brain damage of having to do all the reports and everything else you have to do. Um, ASX is pretty tough on everybody in this environment, particularly people in this environment in the, in the smaller raisings, because that's where sort of you know the, the greatest probability of something going wrong is going to occur. Mm. <clears throat> so, not saying that it will occur, but that's where the probability seems to lie. So they they are they scrutinise you quite heavily, but that's just the cost of running a business and raising money from the public, or in other words, retail money as opposed to wholesale money. Yeah, exactly. You get access to all that. Correct. You know, you don't have to have. Just wholesale investors as well. You got access to all the retail guys. You got retailers. Yeah, you got exactly. mums and dads and people who want to invest yeah. you know, smaller amounts of money. Yeah, you are. You can get yourself into this terrible frenzy, which I do from time to time, as I'm looking at the share price every day. Um, and sometimes the share price doesn't move for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and it really is a bad distraction. You probably shouldn't be looking at that because ultimately the only thing that influences your share, two things that influence your share price are how well you perform mm. and macroeconomically how well the market's performing generally. You cannot 
change how the market forms generally, you, you, the perception of the market. People might just decide they do not want to invest in listed shares and they all move out and they start buying property or whatever. That's right. Um, doesn't <clears throat> and you can't worry about something you can't control because you, you just can't control it. The only thing you should worry about is how well your business is doing and how well it performs. Um, you shouldn't get too carried away with what people are saying about you on, on websites like Hot Copper and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, you can't you, – you, you can't be one of those people who's – um, who gets sort of totally focused on what everyone's saying and what your share price is doing today. You've got to be one of those people who has the ability to, to push that aside and look at the bigger picture, how your business is going. It's, it's just about running the business. So if you're one of those people, probably, you know, if you're in that 5 to $10 million raising sort of mode, ASX listing is probably a good, a good thing for you to consider. But if you're one of those people who thinks about the micro stuff, in other words, the real little things like what people are saying and what the share price is doing today and tomorrow and what likely to do next week and um, what this guy said to you as you cross the road about the share price, either up or down, <clears throat> you want to seriously consider whether or not the capital market or the equity market, I should say, is the market you should be going for. It suits some people. It doesn't suit everybody. Mm. Um, so, and, I, and that's sort of my experience. Um, don't, and don't be, it's there, eh? Don't <clears throat> be scared of it. Don't be scared of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you if you want to, if if you need that money desperately and there's no other way, it's probably a better option than expatriating yourself to another country. I agree with that, yeah, and, yeah. and or just hoping you're going to find a VC who's going to invest in your business yeah, exactly. and uh, being completely <coughs> disappointed because they don't, they're they're few and far between in this country. So uh, that, that's sort of what's been on my mind this week, mainly because November's my month of AGMs, and there's so much process and preparation and stuff we have to do before we go to the AGMs and. Of course, you get people writing your letters saying, you know, your remuneration is too high, I'm going to vote against you and all that sort of stuff. I mean, those sorts of uh, thoughts can get in your back of your head overnight and uh, sort of bug you a little bit. Um, those things, they are what they are. If someone doesn't like your remuneration, they're entitled to get up and tell you at the shoulder meeting, end of story. It's up to you to be able to justify it or be tough enough to walk through it. And uh, me, you know, like me, it's like, I'm, you know, that's what I'm like, Teflon, mate. I just will keep going. I couldn't care less what they say. If they don't like it, they can all get together and they can get rid of me. It's a bit difficult when I'm one of the biggest shareholders, but it doesn't matter. I mean, that's the process. That's the game. And everyone has to go, banks put up with it. James, pa- I've read where James Packer's salary's been challenged in Crown. So he everybody. Owns more than half, though. So <laughs> Sorry? He owns more than half, not much. But he anymore. can't vote. I can't. Oh, no, you can't issues. vote. Yeah, yeah, you right. can't vote. You're conflicted. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's about all the work you do before you get to the AGM. It's not about that month of the AGM. It's all about the shareholders who do believe in you and it's about – and you're not going to get them to believe you unless you're actually performing and you're seeing them all the time. It's about communicating. So it's sort of an interesting scenario. I've never been involved in listed public companies until 2011. I'd never had a public company before um, and all of a sudden I've got three. Um, and I'm, I bear – Net positive or net negative? Net, net right now, net, net right now, yeah. positive. Yeah, okay. Relative to where I started, um, but it's do, uh, do do I do I enjoy having to lift my skirt all the time to the public? Not really, because I'm a fairly private bloke. Um, but it is what it is. Mm. I got no choice. And by the way, in 2011, I had no choice. That was the only thing I could do. Yeah. And Yellow Brick Road exists today by virtue of what we did in 2011. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. Okay, that's what's been on my mind. What's what else we got to t- do a talk about today, Nick? I was reading the Half Post, the small business section, actually, and you know, Half Post is really has a really good small business section, by the way. Like, and I'm not just saying that because they run a few articles, but I was reading it yesterday. In fact, a lot of material for today's podcast came from there. Thanks, Half Post. Uh, copyright, you know, uh, ripping off your stuff. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there are 2.1 you know million SMEs out there, and you know MB Show has a big SME audience. So I thought you know this is you know a good little feel good story to 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 talk about and have a think about. And it, my ears mainly pricked up at this article because, you know, I, I see I've you know with the lockout laws around where I live, and I'm seeing a lot of small businesses close faster than they open, and you know I'm. You know the the stats are heavily stacked against anyone who go who wants to start their own small business, um, and you know I, I'd like to you know I think they add so much to the tapestry of, of what we've got around us that I, I want to encourage people to keep going. You know, and uh, what what really sort of interests me about this article is this bloke has a setter in uh, Nick Vordham's neck of the woods in Redfern. He's got a convenience store that you know opened in two thousand now two thousand fifteen. So he's obviously bucked the trend. He's been around for fifteen years. <laughs> And um, 
He's, you know, I, I wanted to look, I kept reading the articles. I wanted to know what was different about his business that has allowed him to, you know, stand the test of time and, um, and, and remain, you know, popular amongst his community and keep turning over dollars and, and, and being profitable and creating a livelihood for himself. So, I mean, you know, what a great story. This guy has, he's like, maybe, maybe Nico can, you know, Tell us a little bit about him. Like he's, he's a bit of an institution down there in Redfin. He's become an yeah. institution. My brother yeah. Ben um, introduced him to Instagram um, yeah. a couple of months ago. He's just hit 5,000 followers yeah. and he does a thing, which is a great marketing thing called customer of the day, which he posts on Instagram. So he now gets people who who either listen to my brother's show or have read articles on the Huffington Post yeah. or travelling from the northern beaches, Queensland, yeah. Byron Bay, Victoria, yeah. and rock up to his shop and yeah. say, so we read it on the Huff Post, we've seen you on Instagram. Can we be your customer today? So he's like, he's, like he's just a, a guy who owns yeah. a convenience store, but he's diversified yeah. his business now. He's now into distribution of American products <laughs> yeah, and yeah, goods yeah. from cereals yeah. to chocolate bars and that yeah. sort of stuff. So, but the other thing as well, his work ethic, you know, he, yeah. he works six, seven days a week and, you know, he's, Shop is immaculate. It's yeah. all well stocked, and he's pr- proud of his business. So. He's got good relationships with everyone there, right? I mean, he, I just read here in this article that he he, th- he throws birthday parties for people in yeah. the store. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, and, and you know, you know, you guys all want a first name basis. There's a picture here of him with your brother. Yeah. Um, well, someone went in there the other day, and they said, um, uh, "Do you sell selfie sticks?" He said, yeah. "No, but I'll have them next week." Yeah. So then he's now he sells selfie sticks. So I, I've know. seen, I've seen. There's there's my mate Guy Brown from Mammoth Music on his bloody bike. Picking up, you know, three bags of ice. He's obviously about to go get on the piss somewhere, but he, he he's one customer of the day. I mean, you got to do something pretty far out to get customers. It's, it's Kirk Doc. You remember Kirk? Kirk Docker. He came. He did yeah, some shooting yeah. for us, and you know, shot the boxing <clears throat> video. He's 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 in in one of the photos as well. Bloody um. You we'll know, post he, the story up on our up on our website. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting, you know. Yeah, What's yeah. the name of your shop? Has he got a name? Redfern Convenience Store. <laughs> Redfern, well, that's yeah. sort of been crazy. Um, Corner yeah. of George Street and, and, uh, and yeah. Redfern Street. So I'm Street. curious to gather myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's quite, he's quite clever. So even the guys that like, you know, he, I think he feels like, you know, he was saying that he feels like he's part of the community there and even guys that he catches stealing, he'll, um, you know, he'll- Post him up on his Instagram. No, no, no. Like, he's, <laughs> he, like he lets them off and he's, you know, he feels like, because he's, you know, part of this Redfern community that it's his job to give back sometimes where there is no return. So, I mean, even the guys that steal stuff from him, you know, he'll, he'll let them off. He doesn't let all of them off. Yeah, he doesn't. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Surveillance footage. <laughs> yeah, right. So, he, so he, he's getting visited by all sorts of people. It's quite clever. He's sort of built yeah. a little um, national business out of Redfern. So, on the, the front of his store now, which is being put up, he's got a whole panel which is going to have all of his Instagram posts. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, using social media, no matter if you're, you know, yeah. you're a small little business yeah. selling goods on a corner, you know. In, in, industrious too. I mean, like he, I hear he's an avid, um, you know, um, bodybuilder and he, was, he surveyed a lot of the local gyms and found out what the popular he's, protein powder was. And he, he now stocks that protein powder in his store. And That's cool. Um, you can buy everything there. But like little, little things that these guys can do, I guess, to sort of stay ahead of the bigger organisations, you know, because I, I mean, you know, he doesn't have the scale and he, you know, his price point's probably a little higher than most. Um, but you know, there's like, I was reading an article from Johnny winning the other day and you know, he talked about, talked to you and I about this when we went and saw him the other day about, you know, customer service and, and just doing, going that little extra distance to make the customer feel special and like, remember you. And to build a relationship. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, you know, you know, you get a fridge from Johnny, like they'll they'll take your old fridge and throw it out for you. You know what I mean? Like. I've used them. Yeah. You know, it's like those little things where you go, wow, you know, like you didn't have to do that, but you did. You know, and that, that makes him want to sort of keep coming back. You know, even even though your price point, you know, Johnny's never the highest in the market, but even if you, even if your price point is a little higher, you sometimes waive that. A lot of people, a lot, there are some people that don't. They only care about price, but there are a lot of people out there that, you know, it's just they want to feel good about what they're buying. And, also, I think also price is um, <clears throat> a, little, a little bit not, not well understood too because, I mean, there's that well-known um, situation that, it gets proven over and over again that people would rather get it uh, would rather get something for free mm. at one price than as opposed to you offering them a discounted price. Mm. So, like, let's say I offered I offered you a box of something rather that I'm selling you for a hundred bucks, mm. and then my competitor over there is offering it ninety nine dollars, mm. but I offer you the box of something at a hundred dollars plus. The, I know it sounds like worth fifty cents. <clears throat> some, yeah, without yeah. sounding too cheesy, some yeah, steak yeah. knives, okay. Yeah, okay. It's more likely you'll buy it off me for $100 plus the free gift yeah, yeah. than you will buy it off the other guy for $99. Yeah, yeah. Because um, customers don't know 
really what you, what the discount's against. Yeah, so exactly. they don't believe discounts. Yeah, absolutely. But they'd rather get something for free. Yeah. So if, if I'm giving you, if you come to my convenience store and I'm also giving you a smile, yeah, and I'm going to yeah. put you up on Instagram and, uh, and I'm going to try and help you out and I'm going to give you some sort of all free stuff. Yeah, Whereas yeah. right now what you expect me to go into a, a, a convenience store as a bloke just basically throws a bag of chips at you and you, mm. you pay whatever the price is and you walk out. Mm. As soon as someone offers me something else, I think, well, how cool is he? So it's clever. He's very clever. Yeah. And just goes to show you too, by the way, all, he's got a good little business. He's happy with what he's doing. It's not about technology. <clears throat> he's using technology. This is not a tech business. This is a convenience store. Yeah. And he's mm. he's up in the Huffington Post. And he's aligned with a few influencers, you know, yeah, yeah. that got behind him. And yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's smart. That part there's smart, getting well, the your influencers. Brother's one, your brother's got 50,000 <clears throat> people. He posted the, the yeah. picture. And he works the odd shift there as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for the next week's groceries. Just for Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that, that's good. I guess, I guess, you know, balanced side of the argument is like, you know, I mean, does, I don't know what this guy nets every year as, as an income, but like do you, do, you go and, do you go and do this and, you know, run the risk of, of going under or do you go and take like a job? That, what are you talking about now? Like I'm, talking about the, I'm, the, talking about this, yeah, I'm talking about this bloke, you know, like as a, <clears> as a livelihood for himself. I mean, and as a, any small business owner for that matter, do you like, I mean, when you're thinking about, you know, whether or not I go and do it, if, if I can make, you know, if I can make a hundred grand, for instance, running the store, and I can make a hundred grand working for somebody, do I go and do the store well, I and just take on all the risks? I, I, that's an interesting question. I, I think some people, some people to, 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 to own the store, sometimes you might have to invest 500000 or 100000 yeah. my, my old saying is don't go buy yourself a job. Mm. Um, so, but equally, there are some people who just can't work for anybody. Mm. Mm. So he, I would say he's having more... Um, adjunctive fun mm. at a hundred thousand dollars. More job satisfaction. Correct. Than he would if he was working for somebody else, and he's probably working longer hours working yeah, for himself. He works like sixteen hours. <clears throat> but he's getting more satisfaction out of it, yeah, yeah. More, and he's having more fun. Yeah. And, and he's uh, he's reinvesting in his business. He now has, as I said, he's got distribution, and you know, he's into property and olives and all sorts of things. So it's yeah, it's good to see someone, you know, again. Yeah. Greatest asset to work hard, um, relationships, and good service. And he's got, he's, and he's also got opportunity. Mm. So something else could come of it all, um, and, and I think that's a big part of it. And, and look, some people just can't work for anybody. I'm one of them. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to. It's always been difficult for me to work for somebody. So I, I to some extent, I've never really had no choice. I had to work. I had to build, build my own business to work for myself. Um, <clears throat> maybe this guy's the same, but I. I and but equally, uh, but I do know plenty of people, by the way, who've gone out in small business. They've retired from a bank or they've – we've had them at Yellow Brick Road. They've come into us, they've left the bank, want to set up Yellow Brick Road branch, um, have all the skills, <clears throat> invest, the, you know, 30, 40 grand, whatever it takes to, to, to set the branch up. Six months later, back out working for the bank because they just couldn't run the business on their own. They mm-hmm. didn't have that personality to allow them to run a business, mm-hmm. you know. And the, running a business is tough. There's mm-hmm. ups and downs. You wake up in the middle of the night – Whereas you're working for somebody else, a lot of the anxiety is gone and, you know, you just get up in the morning, you go to work, you leave at 6 o'clock, whatever time you leave, you come home. Um, everyone in this room here works for themselves. I mean, but I, and I guess maybe some of you, I don't know, but some of us have had experience working for other people. It's a lot less stressful, my view, um, working for somebody else because you're just doing the job. Mm. Um you clock out at the end of the day. As clock well. You don't take the issues yeah, home. Yeah. I mean, you take a few home, but not that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, working for yourself, um, you take the issues home, but also you build, it's your own problems. You're, you're building your own business. You're building some goodwill. But I've seen it happen a lot of times, especially in the banking industry. Bankers come out and think they can do everything. They run a branch. They can do it all on their own. But all of a sudden you're running a small business. You're not being a banker. You're running a small business. There's a big difference between mm-hmm. the two. And anybody who's out there who's working for someone now and is thinking, I'd like to go and work for myself, it's not all beer and Skittles. You, know, you don't get to go to the Melbourne Cup day just because you work for yourself and you can take the afternoon off. Mm. Um, like for me, for example, yesterday when everybody was watching the Melbourne Cup, I was in a, my board, uh, we had a board meeting, went from 10 in the morning till 2.30. At 2.31, I looked at the Reserve Bank's stuff and then I had to go back into my office, I hadn't even had any lunch, and I sat there sort of working out what we're going to do with our pricing as a result of the Reserve Bank not moving. And I didn't finish that till 4 o'clock, so I didn't even see the race, not that I care that much, but... I think there's a presumption that people work for themselves. They've got, you know, got lots of time in hand. I think it's around the other way. You've got Plenty. no time in hand. Yeah. Ask Mark. 
Tweet Mark with your questions at Mark Boris. M-A-R-K-B-O-U-R-I-S. Couple, couple audience questions. <clears throat> yeah. T- Tim Knowles, um, dear Mr. Boris, apologies for the unsolicited email. Don't apologise, Tim. Unsolicited is our specialty. Um, I'm an entrepreneur hindered by restriction to bank funding to grow my tiny business. Having thrown everything <coughs> I own and getting my business started, my wife and I are hitting huge hurdles trying to get further funding via the high street banks. I accept that you may not be in a position to assist directly, but any advice or direction that you can offer would be greatly appreciated. We're open to any ideas, including take, talking with stakeholders who may wish to take a stake in our business. Well, he sounds like a typical VC guy. Um, but I think the first thing we do is should direct him to Angie Mentis's um, email address or yep. the from NAB. Mm. She gave an email address for the people looking for funding, so mm. we might better yep. do that, Nick. We'll do that. Yep. Um, in terms of, um, but bank funding is pretty hard to get. <clears throat> More than likely, he hasn't got the um, the cash flow net to service the interest on the debt, which is usually the test that they ask for. Mm. So what it sounds like is that he might be growing at a faster rate. Then his re- sorry yeah he's spending at a faster rate than his revenue allows so in other words he needs capital it's a good, good example mm. we were talking about before so he's probably either breaking even or losing money mm. which means he needs to get someone to believe in his concept mm. which means he needs to sell into the VC market mm. <coughs> I, I, I you know what else as well like you know when I studied finance there were only two sources of, of financing debt or equity. But, I mean, this new thing, crowdfunding, has come along, which is pre-sales, right? I mean, I don't know if he's got um, – Tim, Tim, I don't know what your business is, mate, and if you make a product that you can sort of – that you're in the development phase of your product or whether you can, you know, sell it to the market before it's even made. But if that's the – you know, if, if that is the case, then you should consider that also, along with getting an equity partner and, and maybe trying some other ways to get debt for your business too. Like Danny Breeder. Yeah, exactly. So Danny got to 10 grand, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah we put 1,000 in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I tipped another couple hundred in after he was t- telling me on the day that um, that he was still a bit short. So I chucked another. How much couple. did we put in all together? I think we got a lot of burritos. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's pre-selling burritos. But yeah, yeah. to Tim here, I mean, yeah. we don't know what you're selling, but you know, you want to consider about consider yeah. this crowd crowdfunding. Like it's yeah, exactly. quite interesting. And uh, it's, it's the th- if, like you know, like it's it's, 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 it's Turn my world upside down because like, I always thought, oh, there's only two ways of getting money. But yeah, you can pre-sell. Who your were stuff. the? Who did the? Who, who, what's the name? Of one of the websites that you go to for? Uh, his one was uh, there's, there's one called Kickstarter, but um, there's an Aussie version that Danny Burrito did that I don't know. In, the um, name invis- of. Not invisible. Yeah, in, um, yeah, something like that. Um, no, no, not no. investable. That's um, no, that's, no, that's Krill's. That's Krill's thing. Um, um, we'll find out. I'll find. <coughs> I've got your email, um, Tim. Well, so I might. Yeah, there's another one. There's another one apart from Kickstarter. Yeah, there's not Kickstarter's the American one. There's an Aussie. I know the one Danny Burrito did because yeah, well, well, I got a message from whoever that was to oh, tell right. me that they'd received the thousand dollars, okay, and that they were and that they were fully subscribed about oh, a week okay. later. Oh, right. So they're very good. I yeah, just don't yeah. remember the name of them, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we should tell Tim that. Yeah, I mean, look, they're all just <laughs> platforms. I mean, you got to get people to, to tip the money in it at the end of the day. But it's a good place to start yeah, yeah. and have a look at other yeah, things yeah. that've been on there. They might, they might do works. some marketing for you, so who knows? So yeah, yeah. it might be a good one. Anyway, I'll look into it. Um, Second email comes from Steve Welch. Um, Dear Mark, I was searching the net for companies that help investors and entrepreneurs get their idea across the line, and I saw your comment. Um, Small businesses deserve more than um, shows like Shark Tank. You must have read the article. Um, A good friend of mine and myself have been working on an invention for the last six months and has built a prototype around our ideas. The model is not pretty, but the concept is good. Um, The work is good. the working model, I should say. So he's, he's obviously built a prototype. Um, we have several different prototypes, and this latest one is as good as it gets. Um, thinking about approaching Shark Tank, but didn't want to get torn to shreds. Um, <coughs> he, ba- I'm just going to skip to the end here. He basically wants to know if this this guy is not all that fussed about you know um, building a business around his prototype. He wants to know um, in the case that he that he can't get funding or get the help that he needs to build a business around this this prototype. He wants to know if there's anyone out like are there organisations out there that will simply buy the prototype or the idea off him, pay him either up front or a license. <coughs> there are patent companies, patent yeah. companies who go around buying patents. So assuming yeah. he's got a patent if, if it's patented. Well, I think he's got that. Yeah, he just <coughs> said patents. There are cetera. there are patents yeah. companies who go off and buy patents and they build portfolios. Patents, so mm. you maybe you could sort of Google uh, uh, patent portfolio people, like, yeah. and find out who they are. So there are a lot of people around who do that. Yeah. Um, not so much in Australia, certainly overseas. What about pay- I don't <clears> know what he's, what industries. He hasn't told me what the product is, but yeah. you know, depending on what industry is, are there people out there, or like just you know, finan- you know, uh, institutions out there that buy ideas? 
Not that I know of. Um, yeah. But I mean, if, let's say if it's a <clears throat> it's a cracker of a prototype for mm. financial services platform or something like that. I mean, go find. go to the banks. Yeah, I mean, okay. go and find a bank who may be interested in buying it. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, in your experience, I mean, we had this experience with the nat- with the wearable money um, band, Nick Salome Borg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, there was someone there at NAB who was who was willing to sort of take that idea <clears> and run with it. Yeah, NAB Labs. You can <laughs> yeah, make okay. another introduction there as well. Okay, cool. I mean, I I think that. What this guy, he hasn't told us enough information, so we don't quite know what he's talking about. But mm. um, he's t- what he, I think what he's saying is, look, I don't really want to develop a business out of this. I'd rather just get the prototype licensed to somebody else. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and it, it depends what industry he's in. But if it's, look, if it's telco, you can go to Telstra. If it's um, financial services, you go to NAB or one of the banks. If it's, yeah. uh, I don't know, if it's chickens, you go to Steggles. I mean, I don't know. It depends what it is. Um the big organisations, if like if you come to me and you've got a good, good, organ, a good op, um a good um, initiative, a bit like those guys we were talking yeah, about before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they come to me. Rick Amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that the Rick Amazing. They come to they come and saw me, and I'm going to put in front of my CEO. My CEO is going to make a decision. Yeah, and you make a recommendation to the board. So what you got to do is you got to same do the same cheeky thing, mm. get your stuff up in front of the industry leaders who um, will make a decision whether or not they want to license your stuff. If your stuff's that good, mm. sure, yeah. they'll want to license it. All right, Nick, that's probably enough questions today, mate. We we're running out of time as usual. Looking forward. This is the week ahead. Uh, what's on next week? We have invited a couple of guests, but that are yet to confirm. So um, stay tuned. We will have someone. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. We always we, we always have good stuff to talk about. So to dial in, in in any case. But uh, hopefully, we should have someone interesting to interview interview um, next week. Given we didn't do any interviews this week. Okay. All right. And uh, I mean, I must say, I've. I've, I've <clears throat> I'm relieved this week is here relative to last week. It was like yeah. a massive frenzy that the Uber thing was great, great fun, but what a frenzy. And uh, um, if you want to go and have a look at what, what the results were, come into our website towards the end of this week and you'll be able to see, you know, some footage yeah. about the you know, stuff we shot. Everything was filmed. We filmed everything. So mm. um, we could have made a TV show out of it. It was that good. Okay. Th- plenty of content there. Yeah. Plenty of content. Thanks, guys. We want Bye. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. Listener.